It's all about creating conversation, you know, community, togetherness. Arrow.net, A-R-R-O-E.net. Let's do it. Let's do some pod crashing. Episode number 160 is with Bridget Todd from the podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, Season 2. Good morning. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Absolutely fantastic. I hear that voice already. I mean, it's amazing how, you know, and I think that this is where the listener gets to be in touch with the podcaster because, and that's what I love about doing these conversations is that we hear what you bring on, There Are No Girls in on the internet and then we get to hear you in a conversation i it's just to me that's part of the connection the inside sleeve of the album me too i love that if, if my voice sounds a little bit husky it's because i'm at south by southwest right now and i've been out screaming at concerts for the last two days <laughs> you know and, and don't you go through that fear because i'm a voiceover actor and the thing is i had to stop going to those events because it was i was losing money because it usually takes me about a week or two weeks to get over a little bit of vocal rupture Oh yeah, it's the worst and I am I'm very conscious of it and you know it's like if you if you go out screaming and like you know you're around people who are smoking it really can be horrible on your vocal cords. Yeah. So now was there a side of your creative imagination kind of looking around people because you were at an event that has been gone for 2 years. Was there something that said, "Wow, I could do a new podcast on this or I could figure out a way to make this a part of my current podcast?" Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, so I was here to do a live taping of my own podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. And truly, it was one of the first times I had been out among people in, as you said, two years. And I think there was something, there was an energy in the air, there was a creativity to the air. Um, you know, I think as podcasters, what we can do can be so lonely and isolating. Like I make my podcast from my kitchen. And so being able to be among people who also were involved in the creative industry was Super exciting and just a, a breath of fresh air after the last two years we've had. I, I wish a lot of podcasters had the courage to do that, to go outside, to move, to take people places like NPR, because, I mean, I'll do my podcast at a Panera Bread out on the patio. I realize people are watching me, but Panera hasn't kicked me out yet. <laughs> I would love to go to Panera Bread and see somebody recording a podcast. That would be amazing. <laughs> You'd sit there and do a vocal bomb, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be pretty fun. <laughs> so all of your podcasts are motivating people to move. I love that side of you. So, and, and to me, that's the inner core of the artist in you. What, what is, what is the main drive? Well, I think a lot of the time, so, so my work really is involved in how people have different kinds of internet experiences and trying to motivate them to feel like they are really, they really should feel like they are, can be in control of those experiences. And I think for me, it really comes from, so many different times in my life, I have felt stuck. I have felt disempowered. I have felt like I didn't really have the voice that I needed to get to get something for myself. And so I want to inspire people to let them know that they can get themselves unstuck. They can be the, the architect of their own experiences online, in their own lives, everywhere. And so it's really about motivating people to not feel stuck and to not feel like they can't be you know, in charge of their own experiences. I'm so glad you said that because yesterday on iHeartRadio, one of my main subjects was based on stop asking why and start asking how. Because the, that leader in Ukraine is not saying, why is this happening to me? He says, how am I going to get through this storm? I mean, you've got to start asking how and get the job done. Absolutely. I, I, watching him lead has been so inspiring. And especially given that he is what, just in his 40s, like I, I have been so inspired. And I think that, you know, exactly what you said, you know, asking, how am I going to get this done? How am I going to move forward? I think that's so important, especially when so many people, myself very much included, have felt so stuck for the last few years. 
Now, when, when you go into a podcast, one of the things that really fascinates me and inspires me is the way that you, you drive in the real issues and you draw people in because you're bringing the story. Is that you inside the production room or is that a director saying this is what we're going to do? Whose vision is it? Oh, it is all me. Yes. Um, I have to give a shout out to my producer, Tari, Tari Harrison, the best in the business. She's so good. But for the most part, it's me. I think that I love learning about the world around me, but it's so much easier for me to connect when it's a story. And so I feel there's a, probably a lot of other people out there who want to know what's going on, but it's they, they want to be drawn in by a story. So definitely that's the, the main motivating thing of my work. You bring in a word on your podcast. I, I love this. Zombie, vaca- zombie vacation with Whitney Houston in Vegas. I mean, it's a <laughs> zombie vacation. I'd love to just say that five times in a row. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that episode is so interesting. Basically, we talked to um, Brooke Obi, who's a spirituality writer, about this trend that we're seeing with celebrities of yesteryear who are no longer with us. So Whitney Houston was the example that we used, who are coming back for tour- tours as holograms. And so mm-hmm. Whitney Houston right now is doing a, a residency in Las Vegas, despite having been dead for several years. And we talk about the sort of, you know, the sort of, like, um spirituality yep. implications of that, the technology implications of it, the societal implications of it. It's, it's a fascinating topic. And I think it's one that we are going to be seeing more and more of as strange as it sounds. Well, I'm totally with you on that because when I saw Queen in concert and they had that hologram of Freddie Mercury, I mean, I was moved by it. I thought Freddie was right there. Yeah, how was it good? Yeah, well, you know, we, we accepted it as as a hologram. That's the thing about it is that I think that the human being accepts the fact that the quality is not perfect because it's a hologram. Yeah, and, and I think it's sort of an, an exercise in like, you know, part of the enjoyment being the suspension of disbelief. And mm-hmm. so you know that Freddie Mercury is not really on that stage, but it kind of sucks you in and takes you over to experience having to say like, oh, but it really sounds like him. It really looks like him and he's putting on a heck of a show. It's kind of part of the experience, I think. Well, it, it kind of reminds me of the way that in Star Wars, I mean, and I think that's maybe the reason why people are accepting it. When R2-D2 is playing that image of, of Princess Leia, you know, and, and you're, you're just sitting there watching her do the message and stuff like that. It's like, oh, all right, I can accept that because R2-D2 did it. Right. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> well, as a teacher of social change, I mean, that means that you have to be a student every day. You can't just show up because it's a job. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm so glad that you put it that way. I think of myself as a lifelong student of the world. And so um, I am learning things every day. That's yeah, I, I take listeners along on the journey on my podcast. But yeah, it is a, it is a lifelong journey. Yeah. One of the listeners need to understand how up to date you are with there are no girls on the Internet. And that is, is that you talk about things that we're not hearing about Ukraine. And man, I'll tell you, you shocked me on this one because I and I feel guilty that I've never thought about this. The people of color in Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I I also I mean, the reason I made that episode is because I didn't really know much about it. And right? so I didn't know how many different people of color were in Ukraine. There's a lot of students um, from parts of Africa and India. Um, I had no idea. And then I had no idea what their experiences were like trying to get out of the country. And so, um, yeah, that was a, an issue that I had to educate myself on and listen to other voices who were there and really echo voices on the ground to make sure that I was getting it right, because it was a completely new topic for me as well. So for the past couple 
couple of years, I've, I've really buddied up with a friend uh, who's in Lviv right now, Ukraine. And the thing is, is that he was there. He got trapped because of COVID-19, because of the lockdown. And then and then because of the war, the thing is, this kid grew up. I gave him the artist way from Julia Cameron when, when he was a kid. And he became a journalist because of that. And he's over there in Lviv and it was bombed last night. And it's like, God dang. But there, there's such a story in Ukraine. Will that drive you even closer to getting the real story? Because you're a podcaster, girl. Bridget, I mean, come on. You know we got to get the word out. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to stay on this story. I'm going and any all the there are so many like fascinating and important developments every day coming out of Ukraine. So I'm definitely going to stay on the story. And by the way, I have to tell you, the artist's way that was one of the books that also made me kind of get serious <laughs> about being a creator and and being someone who worked in the creative industry. So um, shout out to you giving him that book because that book also changed my life. Oh, it's such a tool, such a tool. Did it give you the, the, the confidence to be able to take on Joe Rogan and Spotify? Because that's an <laughs> issue these days. I, I think so. I think I had a little bit of that artist's way confidence pumping through me when I was doing that episode. <laughs> <laughs> so what what goes into a show prep? I know what I do on my side, and it's one of those things where I just don't want listeners to understand what's going on behind the curtain. I mean, what, what, what happens with you? Yeah, well, so a big part of it is the stuff that people don't see, which is lots and lots and lots of research, lots and lots and lots of question asking. You know, some, you know when you listen to an episode, usually you're just hearing one or two people, but generally I've spoken to five or six people that whose voices didn't make it into the show just on background. So a big part of it is just me having lots of conversations, lots of interviews, doing lots of research, lots of reading to put together the, the story that I want to tell. And then after that comes to fruition, really sitting down and kind of shaping the story so that it, it's a compelling story with like, you know, a, a beginning, a middle and an end and, and arcs and all of that. And so it's a, it's a lot of work, but you know, I, I don't need to tell you, it, it's so fulfilling. So how do you deal with those situations where you do have five or six people involved and their voices don't make it, or they come back and say, well, I, what I said was a lot better than what you put up there. It can be awkward. If I'm being honest, it can be awkward. And I guess it's, I find it's easier to have less voices taking people through a story. And that's not always true, but I find it a little bit easier to, to latch on to. And so I usually tell people upfront, like, hey, I'm just trying to understand the situation. I record all my interviews and some of them make it in, some of them don't. Um, but you know, either way, you will definitely be adding to the fabric of the story that I'm telling. And so it definitely can get awkward, but you know, it's just part of the part of the business <laughs> as as that creative spirit, because you know that we bring things in because, you know, we get these ideas and things like that. And then we release it out to the world so that people can, you know, can savor it, do learn from it, and things like that. But when it comes to Amanda Knox, sure, she lived the life. But in reality, does her story not belong to us? That's such a good point. It's, it's really the part of the like a, a driving part of the conversation that we had on the, when she was on the episode um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's so interesting because I think it kind of it could be both. I think the story that was a kind of a, a fabrication of who she was, um, that story is ours. Like I remember hearing about, you know, quote unquote, Foxy Noxy when she was in Italy. And so I think recognizing that like that story was not who she actually was. That story was a, a media fabrication of who she was. And that part of, of the story that lives in us, that's like, like that lives inside of us, but that that's not her actual lived experience that she went through. It was sort of a, a media manipulation of who she was. So when you uncover something like from um, Amanda Knox, do you get the butterflies in your stomach going, Jesus is going to get a phone call. Oh God. But you have to have that courage to keep putting it out there. Cause there are times I'll sit there and I'll go, man, do I need to put this out there? And you go, you have to, because it happened. 
Yeah, it's a good question. I So I had definitely gotten phone calls and emails where people are like, oh, why did you give this person a platform? Or, you know, why did you talk about this? And I I respect that. I, I, I listen to that. I, I definitely, you know, at the end of the day, I make podcasts and, and tell stories to serve myself and my listenership. And so the way that I find if I'm doing that is by that kind of feedback. And so, you know, I guess I tell myself if people don't have something to say, that means I'm not actually doing something worth talking about. And so I don't get offended if people call me up and say, hey, I hated this episode or why did you do this? Or why did you do X, Y, Z? Because I think that's how we learn. That's how I grow as a podcaster. That's how we all learn and grow together. So here's a deep question. And only I think this is probably going to be too inside and I'd have a program director jumping all over my case. When, when you have a conversation with somebody face to face and you're asking questions, is it different from the person like right now, we can't see each other. Don't you love it when we can't see each other? Because I would be trying to read your eyes. Oh my gosh. So this is if you would ask me before COVID, I would have given you a totally different answer. But now I actually really like just being voice only because there's something about having to having to read people's facial cues, think about my own facial cues. When I'm speaking, my face looks ridiculous. Like my, I, I'm not I'm not thinking about how I'm projecting in terms of the way that I look, and it's sort of. It just allows me to focus on the words and what people are saying, and that's really what I'm interested in. And so, yeah, I completely agree with you. It's so much, I feel like it's so much easier to connect when you're not actually looking at each other. I don't know. Maybe that means something is wrong with me. (laughs) Well, to me, it reminds me of the old days of of radio theater and things like that, because if you didn't listen to the conversation, you were missing a, a major part of the emotion that's required in order to share it. Absolutely. And, you know, you said that you were a voiceover artist earlier in our conversation, which I, you, you have a, like a a really good voice. And so if I was trying to like look at you while we were speaking, I would be missing all these different like inflections of your tone. Like it's, it's so much easier to fall, to like, fall into someone's voice and be taken away when you're not looking at them as well, I find. So true, so true. With with so much passion that we have for podcasting, does it still shock you here in 2022 that there are broadcast companies that still don't believe in what we're doing? Um, it doesn't shock me because there are like media companies, who knows why they do what they do, but yeah. it's completely their loss, right? <laughs> Audio is the future. Audio you know, recreate something that you're never going to get with other mediums. Like, do you remember back in the day that you used to have those chat lines or you would oh, call yeah. in? Oh, yeah. The reason why people loved those is because you were connecting voice to voice. And so audio isn't going anywhere. Audio will always be special. And, you know, media companies and broadcast companies can decide if they want to be part of that or not, but it doesn't make it any less true. Oh my God, there used to be a telephone number that we would all call and I would put them live on the air and stuff like that. And all these people would come into this group. There would be maybe 14 or 15 people on that line at one time. Oh, those were so fun. Like you just can't recreate that. Like that, like audio, you cannot, there's no substitute for it. There's an energy there. There's a liveliness there. It is so engaging and that'll always be the case. No matter what new technology or what new thing happens, we will never lose the power of the human voice. Absolutely. We both got started the same year in podcasting. What was your view back then? Because the reason why I got into it was because of a commercial for a Camaro because they were they said it came with Wi-Fi and that changed my life because that meant that that streaming was going to get inside that car. What what was your draw? 
Oh, so mine is so, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. I had moved from Washington, D.C., where I lived for most of my life, to San Francisco. And I had never been to San Francisco. I didn't know anyone there. I was moving for a job. And I really had a hard time making friends. I was just like, knew nobody. And I would go home from my apartment after work or go home to my apartment after work and just listen to podcasts. And that was the <laughs> thing that really sustained me. It was the thing that made me feel like I had something to look forward to that I had, I had people to have a conversation with, of course, just podcasters in my head. Um, but you know, that was the thing that really got me through my first year in San Francisco where I was pretty lonely and didn't really have a lot of people around me. And so I really understood the power of the medium of podcasting to really affect people and stay with people and like help people through times that are hard. And I just, I just completely fell in love with the industry. This was early on and I, I just completely fell in love. I've always believed that you, if you could put musical notes and timing bars and stuff like that on, on blogs, people would get into it because then you would understand the true inflection that we're sharing. Absolutely. I, that's a great idea. That's just such a good idea. Now, now we, we talk about the power of, of podcasting. Let's let's bring up TikTok because you bring up something on there are no girls on the Internet that once again, I did not know about. And, th and this is that journalist inside your soul. Scammers are using TikTok to cash in on Ukraine. Yes, it is so sad. So. I don't know if, folk, if folks out there don't use TikTok, um, you're not alone. It's, it's, an, it's an app that's definitely geared toward younger folks. But um, after the invasion of Ukraine, people were using TikTok's live streaming functionality to live stream videos that they would say were happening live in Ukraine that showed explosions or showed gunfire. And they were collecting donations from these live videos. And some of these live videos were fabricated. They were not actually yep. in Ukraine. Yep. And because of the way that TikTok works, it's actually quite easy to manipulate videos or or, or manipulate video game images or, or animations to make it and say like, oh, this is happening in Ukraine. And really, you're nowhere near Ukraine. And so people were soliciting actual money donations um, for basically lying about being in Ukraine, taking away from actual donations or resources or energy that could go toward people who are actually there who need it. Oh, haven't they learned that, you know, that, that through the power of moving pictures that people believe in things because I mean they think Batman exists he doesn't exist or maybe he does <laughs> exactly man you got to come back to this show anytime in the future Bridget it's always so fun to talk with you you, it's, there's something about talking to another podcaster. It's just this is such an engaging conversation. I would love to come back anytime. It's our language. We understand it. We under you know what we understand the pain and the victory. <laughs> yes, tell me. Let me tell you that is like. That's going to be the new motto for my, my podcasting career, the pain and the victory. <laughs> Will you be brilliant today, okay? You too. Thanks so much.